You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, friends, thank you for tuning in to Worshipology. This is a podcast geared towards worship leaders, worship teams, creative songwriters, all the above. And today I'm pumped because I'm talking to one of my homeboys up in the D.C. area, uh, Brian Gurney. Say what's up, Brian. Hey, how's it going, man? Man, so we must have met probably a decade ago, right? I was in the D.C. area. You were in the D.C. area. We did some worship stuff together. How do we how do we meet again? Well, you you started this like DC worship leader kind of deal with some other that's folks. That's right. That's right. And yep. invited me. And the irony is actually that's when I met um that's when I met Simon Dixon, who I serve on staff with now, which I realized Amazing. that the other day. So yeah. You're wow. you're at least partly to blame for for my job <laughs> and where I am right now. That's so yeah. crazy. And then we yeah. did a record together. We did yeah. an album. Um Still, probably one of my favorite projects I've ever worked on. The songs were so good, and the yeah, production style. Yeah. I mean, it was just fun, man. It was a lot That's of fun. Awesome. My soul longs. Yeah, yeah, and, it was um, great. So, songwriter, worship pastor. You've been a part of a church planting team. We're gonna get into mm-hmm. all that stuff, but man, just for our listeners, maybe share just a little bit of how you got into ministry and worship leading. Uh, what's the Brian Gurney story in a nutshell, man? Yeah. So I started um, just playing classical piano, dinking around on a piano at like six. <laughs> and wow. I was I was such a bad student, quite honestly. I, I would never <laughs> want to practice. I would just listen to the piano teacher play it. And then I'd just like try to play it after they did it, you know, like listen and try to play mm-hmm. by ear. Um, and I managed to stick with it for a while, but I but I didn't like it. And then some somewhere in like middle school, I started playing guitar, and then shortly thereafter, I feel like any youth pastor who finds out that there's a kid who's playing guitar, there's sort of like their eyes on him of like, <laughs> hey, could this be a guy who could lead worship? And so, right somewhere in like eighth grade, I started leading some songs. Um, I, you know, I I would. I would hate to have to listen to myself back then, but hey, that's where we all start. <laughs> Maybe some of us further back than others, but that's and, right. um, yeah, just led worship a ton through middle school, high school, started bands, like kind of just said yes to every opportunity. I was kind of just that kid. I just wanted to be around music constantly mm. and met the Lord um, all through that and grew in my understanding of, of the gospel and took my faith seriously. I grew up in a Christian home, but I really hadn't quite understood what the gospel meant until middle school, high school. And mm. so worship, worship really was kind of right at the same time of like, and this is the, the truth of the gospel. This is the Lord that I worship. And uh, I get to use, you know, some of my abilities to be able to serve the Lord and serve the church. And so mm. uh, that was all through that. And then, um, Went off to college, served in campus ministry, worship, doing worship leading, started a band, toured around a bit with that. Um, and then right out of college, I ended up on staff at this church. Um, I had sworn I wouldn't like, quote unquote, go into ministry. I don't know why, mm-hmm. you know, like, as I reflect <laughs> on that, like, I, I, I think I just thought it was lame, quite honestly. Like, I think mm. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to be tied down or I didn't, I don't know, I'm whatever it was, but I, I remember the Lord just kind of breaking my heart for 
um, the local church specifically. And I, mm. I uh, ended up on staff at this church and was there for um, about six years. And um, I was doing worship ministry and college ministry because um, I guess I was like freshly minted from college. So they're like, oh, yeah, you can probably uh-huh. do the college ministry, you know. Um, wow. As long as, you know, it's like if you're going to. So were, were you leading worship in a college setting or was it just like you're leading worship on a Sunday and then you're also leading this college age ministry for the church? Yeah. So that. So I would, that, yeah. I would be leading the worship team, production team, media team, all that kind of stuff. And then like leading a guy's small group of college, college age guys, um, teaching for college, like ministry night, um, mm-hmm. doing all that. So I was, I was really kind of in this dual role, uh, which is actually kind of a theme in my life. Um, well, I, I want to talk about that, you know, at some yeah. point, maybe we can jump into it right now because I feel like it's a common thread through a lot of these podcasts where, you know, a guy or a girl is on staff at a church and they go in kind of like, yeah, I'm going to lead worship. But then it's like, oh wait, there's actually like 17 different hats that you're going to wear. <laughs> and just kind of having that need for like, not just flexibility, but really being able to be proficient in so many different areas. Yeah. What is it about, you know, worship leaders? And maybe it's the creative side where you're just kind of able to compartmentalize different, different, you know, pathways in your life. But is that something that you feel like is a benefit to, to worship leaders and worship pastors, or is it kind of take away a little bit from it or um, you know, how's that kind of played out in your ministry? And then like, maybe what's your favorite hat to wear within all of that? Mm, yes. I do think that that is the case that we, we end up wearing a lot of hats. Um, I feel like the, the sort of like classic example is the worship leader who has to like build the website, you know? Um, and that was me, you know, <laughs> right, I did right. that. I did that. Yeah. The first church I served at, um, I, you know, oh, you, you it, can read core charts. That means you know how to code, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of it is, you know, I listened to this TED talk years ago. Um, I can't remember who it was by, but it was a great TED talk. So sorry, I can't put in like show notes or anything, but it's like a, <laughs> the talk is about being a multi-potentialist and the idea Ooh. that like, actually it's not so much that you're a, a generalist, which kind of has a bad connotation almost like kind of sounds like you're just generally bad at everything or generally mm-hmm. good. Um, but rather you have potential in a lot of different areas and and some of that like creative brain i think lends itself to being excited about different things at different moments which then enables learning mm. and all that kind of stuff so i do think it's normal that worship leaders have a few areas of interest and kind of dabble and move around but then have like an anchor a home base and that's definitely been yeah. the case for me that like you know i've served after that church i served in uh, I helped plant a church and I was kind of like the executive pastor there, um, wow. doing a lot of leadership development, managing our staff. And then even now I'm, I'm now at, uh, the Falls Church Anglican and I'm a worship director, but I'm also over all the production staff and at a larger church. That means you, you're a bit more bifurcated. It's not just music. It's also all the production stuff. And so, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's always, I think I probably would be a little bit bored if I didn't have other stuff to do, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's a tension that I've always had to live in of like always feeling a bit pulled, um, and always sort of fighting for boundaries to my time boundaries to, Mm. to have more time for songwriting, uh, to have more time for rehearsing personally, 
uh, more time for developing the actual musicians and not just all the admin of church work, you know? Talk to me a little um, bit about that. I, the, the boundaries thing is so key because I was actually literally an hour ago, Brian, having a conversation with a buddy and just, you know, his heart is to say yes to everything. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes that's the thing where it's like, oh, I'm kind of good at this. I'm kind of good at that. Yeah, I can get by with doing social media or I can get yeah. by with, you know, running a soundboard. How do you guard your time, but also uh, kind of in that same breath, um, not say yes to everything, but, you know, be a blessing in the areas where you know you can be one. What's, what's, mm -hmm. the, what's the balance mm -hmm. there? Is there a balance or is it just kind of all a myth? I mean, just some things that I've learned is like every, every yes to one thing is a no to another thing. And mm. I think you need to just, as you grow and get older and, you know, mature and understand your own wiring and gifting and all that kind of stuff, it gets a little easier to know what's, what's like far outside of my sort of lane as it were. Mm -hmm. um, now that gets, I mean, in my opinion, having planted a church and served at a small church and now serving at a big one, I think um, church problems are church problems. It's just a matter of scale. So at a wow. small church, you're always going to be pulled in a lot of very different directions. But that's true at a large church as well. They just might not be as far away or, it might, you know, it's worship related, but actually it's, you know, it's it's similar enough. Um, I, mm -hmm. that it kind of, you know, it's got its own challenges. I, I'd say this, that if you don't protect your boundaries, no one else will. Um, wow. and oftentimes the things that we as worship leaders are the most passionate about and potentially even the most gifted in are the things that are important, but not urgent. So if you're thinking in that sort of Johari's window, I think it was, mm. was it like Stephen Covey or something wrote this years ago of like urgent and important, important, um, but not urgent. And then, you know, it goes around. Right. A little quiet. Yeah. And the important but um but not urgent kind of windows where that's where you're gonna take uh you're gonna multiply your abilities, you're gonna multiply your your um fruitfulness, your your um it's all the stuff that like no one will demand of you, but when you do it, it actually mm. creates more ministry. Um wow. And I think that's the stuff that you have to zero in on is like, what has the Lord called me to do that, that sort of the system and the whirlwind of Sunday's always coming will never demand of mm -hmm. me. And then you have, yeah. you have to just, I mean, it's like a budget. You have to budget the time to do it or you'll never do it. Um, so those what are just, have you I mean, found that, what's that sweet spot for you? So for a really good example, I would say in my life is songwriting is like a thing that I mm -hmm. am passionate about, love doing. For me, is not just a, a thing to do, but it's a spiritual discipline. Like I, I, mm. I, I love to just like take a passage of scripture, print it out on a piece of paper, be in it, you know, sort of like just dwell on the passage, study it, understand it, and then write from that. But that takes time, it takes margin, it takes like clear headedness. So the only way that will actually happen is if I go in my calendar and say that from you know nine to eleven every Thursday is songwriting time. And if yeah. I you know, if I if I go into the office to do that, it'll get interrupted, you know. Um Right, right. Because I'm in the office, you know, it's just you're around other yeah, people, whatever. Yeah. So you have to you have to sort of like build these little 
chunks, these little times um, in advance, because it's so hard mm. to prioritize that in the moment, in the, in the chaos and the stress. So that's so good, man. And I think, you know, as everybody does get older and they kind of learn, okay, this is not so much of a payoff. This is a big payoff. It, it reminds me of this book I read last year by Greg McCown. It's called Effortless. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh man. It's such a good read. And he mm. talks about there's things in your life that you're going to do that are going to demand maximum effort but you're going to get minimum results on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's things that are going to demand max effort and you get max results. Mm. But every now and then you fall or you discover this thing in your life where you put in minimal effort, but you get maximum results. He's like, mm. that is your effortless. That's what you got to figure out. How can I do this and do it all the time? And, yeah. you know, I think, I think it's interesting in ministry, you're going to have an effortless, you're going to have, you know, those things that are just going to, it's like you're firing on all cylinders, but yeah. there's the other side of ministry where it's like, you know, sometimes you do what you love to do and other times you do what you have to do. And I think in a worship leader's world, you know, when you're scheduling bands and you're, you know, putting together charts and you're doing tracks and you're, um, whether you're doing Ableton stuff or you're finding mm -hmm. out, okay, what key does, what key does Jennifer sing this song in? Because it's different than the one that Rachel sang yeah, it in three weeks yeah, ago. You know, it's like, yeah. so you're doing all these things and they might not feel like they're in that effortless creative zone, but mm -hmm. you have to do that in order to get to that place where it's like, yeah, honestly, for me, like the Sunday morning leading and that that's just effortless. It's like sure. all the things admin that are kind of behind that. And, you know, I've been in environments where you've led worship, where, you know, we've written songs together and I definitely I can sense that tension of, you know, like, I just want to write right now, but you have to guard that space. And I love what you just said earlier, you know, because we're both very similar in the fact that like we were part of church planting teams, mm -hmm. smaller church environment, but then now uh, we both find ourselves kind of in larger church settings. But you mm -hmm. said this thing, it was so good, I wrote it down. Church problems are church problems, whether big or small churches, they just scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about that just a little bit, because I know we have people listening that are at small churches, at large churches, rural churches, city churches, and everything in between. And it's so interesting to me, that phrase, because it rings true. Like, you're always going to kind of run into some of the same tensions. Mm -hmm. They just scale differently. How has that yeah. played out with you being at the one church and then church planting and then now at a larger church setting? Yeah. Well, f well first, I would caveat by saying that for the, for the worship leader, worship pastor who's serving at the small church, your problems aren't small problems, you know, like but mm -hmm. that... The issues that we face um, in churches, they, they're always difficult. They're always painful. And it's, mm. it's, there's so much similarity in, in the weight of it. What happens, mm -hmm. um, in my experience, it, in a small church, you know, a, like let's take a classic one is um, uh, you have like scheduling problems with with folks. They, you know, the sort of classic. They don't. They're unconfirmed on planning center. It's like, oh man, are they in or <laughs> yep, out? You yep. know, you just don't know. And on Saturday night, you're wondering, um, do I have a drummer or are we absolutely. going acoustic tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've we've all felt that. Um, the difference in a small church um, is, you know, it's a you have maybe fewer people who would be unconfirmed. if you only have one mm. service or whatever. How, however, a very big challenge in that small church is that you have fewer replacement members to step in if need be. At a big church, right. 
Um, I have more unconfirms, um, but I have a deeper bench to be able to pull from. Uh, well, on certain mm. instruments, I should say. So it's right. it's the same issue. It's just I'm dealing with a kind of new twist on it, and it's a it is a bit of a matter of scale. Um, mm. I think there's other things that like are you know I mean you could go down the line um, with different church problems we'd face. I mean the most obvious one is just shepherding work, like people work, right? Vine yeah. work, yeah. Um, you mm. have, that is, that is the bread and butter of ministry, right? Like ministry is about people. It's not about programs. And mm. no matter if you're at a small church or you're a big church, your children still trying to shepherd people. And that is exactly yeah. the same. But now at the bigger church, what's needed is you need people under you who are also shepherding. Um, whereas at the wow. smaller, smaller church, you might be the main person. So it's, mm -hmm. I, in many ways, like, you know, I was kind of having this conversation with my wife the other day of like, why am I, you know, why do I get stressed? Uh, and I was realizing like, you know, it has nothing to, I mean, it has almost nothing to do with small church, big church, new church, old church, all that stuff. It's just <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just stressed. I, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not really all that unique. Um, and I, and I actually think that like, the small church and the big church kind of need each other in that to sort of like keep each wow. other in check and to serve one another and and kind of help figure out different problems. So I don't know. That's some of what I would say. That's really good, man. And I, I think, you know, it's just the different seasons too. I think, sure. you know, and you know this as, as you know, husband, as a father, and you know, you're, you're juggling multiple, not just, uh, not just multiple portfolios within a job description, but multiple roles within your life at yeah, large. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was Mark Batterson who once said the, the blessings of God will complicate your life. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, I, I've seen that happen and it's like, you know, even the prayers that God answers, it's like, Hey, you know, you're asking for more responsibility with this prayer that you're praying right now. So yeah. just, just FYI, you're going to need me more in this next season than you needed me in last season. But I think, you know, it's this interesting, you, you learn certain lessons, Brian, in that church planting season that nothing else can teach you. And, you know, I think you and I could probably have a three hour conversation just about that in and of itself. But I want to know, like now on staff at a church, um, as a worship pastor, primarily functioning in that world, um, what was the biggest thing that you took away from that season of church planting that you see now? Uh, just helps you to lead worship with a different perspective. I think I would go to to Matthew 25 and say the parable of the talents. Um, mm. You know, it's interesting in that in that passage is uh, both the both the the guy who got the two talents and the guy who got the five. Um, they were both told the exact same thing. They were both mm -hmm. told, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little, and I will set you over much. And mm. maybe it's a bit of like who the sort of church plant assessors bring in for church planting, or it's just a symptom of, you know, just people and leadership in general. But at least yeah. I have a tendency to pursue much um, rather than little. I want to be faithful mm. with much rather than be faithful with little. And I think wow. early, early min ministry ambition kind of made me feel like I needed to be um, 
I needed to pursue the fruitfulness and not not mm-hmm. um, just be faithful with the little thing. And what's interesting about the the parable of the talents, the the guy with the one talent, he doesn't understand the master. Like when when the master comes back mm. and confronts him, uh, the steward responds with a bunch of information that's not true of the master. Um, wow. And I think sometimes our you know our misunderstandings of God, our our lack of connection with the Lord at times, is what mm. what can actually lead to us like needing the much. Um, needing the um, well, one misconceptions of God, I think, lead to lack of faith. Um, mm. You know, the the one talent guy just buries it in the ground. He just keeps it safe. Right. Um, he doesn't have the faith in that moment. But the two and the five um, talent folks, they're just one one foot in front of the other, just faithful. And it, that was mm. like a, I mean, over and over and over again. I think in my first church, but then specifically in church planting, where the you know, the whole sort of like wagon tracks are to like, you know, get your funding early and build it. And you need a certain amount of people actually in the church to be able to get fully funded and mm-hmm, or to be self-sustaining mm-hmm. at least. And I think some of that was in me, even if I didn't know it, you know, and the Lord was just slowly wow. sanctifying me over that journey to say like, mm. Brian, you, you need to kind of let go of control, and trust, trust in the Lord's goodness and kindness that he will you just be faithful, like trust the Lord with the much. Um, wow. So I, so that's like completely been a game changer for me now being at the church where I'm at, where I'm kind of realizing like, yeah, like in this new season, there's all kinds of things I could be ambitious about and pursue that are maybe good and godly things. Um, and, uh, but what I, what I know is that the Lord has called me to just be faithful one foot in front of the other right now. And trust that the Lord is the one who's going to bring that harvest. The, the Lord is the one who's going to build it. And so faithfulness for me looks like, man, I'm going to disciple some guys under me to be worship leaders. Faithfulness means mm-hmm. um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to actually practice the set before I show up for rehearsal with the band. You know, like talk <laughs> about that like minimal work Come on. to do it. You know, I think faith, yep. faithfulness means um, I'm going to meet regularly with um someone older than me to just pour into my life and invest in me it's like simple things that we all kind of know um that's the stuff the lord's like called you to do one foot in front of the other be Mm. faithful with a little so i love that and i think one of the things i heard within what you were saying on that church planting side is there's a bit of a pioneer spirit in you yeah you know it's like there's there's something that kind of calls you to be like man like this is going to be an adventure and I think it's going to grow my faith. And mm-hmm. and I can hear that. And I've seen that in you, just your faith has grown instead of withered over the years. And now yeah. here you are. And it's like, yeah, I can take some of that. Like, yeah, that, that sanctified ambition, that holy ambition where mm-hmm. it's like God places, God places the heart of a dreamer in us. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. great to have those dreams, but he's got to have his heart in those dreams. And, uh, I love that man. Uh, yeah. Now talk to us a little bit about, uh, the falls church, because I, I got to lead worship there about a year and a half ago. I love Simon Dixon. We're going to have him on the podcast here soon. Um, but the Anglican, um, culture, the Anglican, uh, side of just worship, even a uh, little bit different than maybe some of our listeners are used to. And I know for me kind of, you know, we were talking about this earlier, like mm-hmm. I grew up in the charismatic Pentecostal circles. So the one time that I did get to lead worship at the falls church, which by the way is 
probably, if not the most historic Anglican church in the U.S. I mean, I think I read something about it started in the 1720s or 1730s. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a rich history. Wow. Talk about yeah. that. And, and what is it like uh, as a young guy, like leading worship at a church that has so much history? And um, and then, yeah, just that Anglican side of it. What, what, yeah. what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, well, it is it is funny to go from a church plant to one of the oldest churches in the Anglican <laughs> denomination. So that's fun. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, well, one a couple of things. So f- first of all, just being at an an older established church, um, I think is really valuable. I think it's a really good thing. And this is mm-hmm. you know saying this as the pioneer in me. Sometimes I need the <laughs> check of like. Um, you know, members who have been at the same church for 30 years. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need the check of like a church who has weathered storm after storm after storm. I mean, you think about Mm -hmm. it, like if you said um, the church was started in the 1700s, that means it weathered the storm of the Civil War. It it weathered the storm of, you know, segregation America, weathered the storm of, uh, you know, 2001, it weathered COVID and, you know, and that's that's yeah. just um, that's something to be treasured and valued. It's not like you know, it's not the end all be all, but it is a good thing. So it's been good for my own soul being here. Mm. I think the Anglican denomination then broaden, broadening out. Um, one of the things that I described as just like rooted. Um, so the Anglican mm. denomination obviously is pretty old as well, and one of the like kind of hallmarks of Anglicanism is liturgy um and the word liturgy Mm -hmm. i'm sure a lot of you guys know this is a work of the people and it's the sort of back and forth between uh god and his people and so sometimes that means reading scripture out loud sometimes that's prayers sometimes that's saying a creed um it's worship it's i mean the reality is everybody has a liturgy it's just whether or not you have Mm -hmm. lots of things or a few things or um that kind of thing um i you know, I th- for me, it's uh, I I really appreciate that um, there's there's like that sort of historic rootedness, but also honestly, I just think the liturgy is is filled with scripture. Um, that's that's really mm. helpful and in, in just forming people. You know, it's funny. Like I I actually grew up in an Anglican church and then spent a lot of time away from it. I planted an Axway Nine church. I'd been at E Free Church. I'd spent time in Pentecostal circles, and um, and it's only until recently that I'm sort of back into an Anglican church. And hmm. the first time I came back um, to an Anglican service, prior to me even working on staff here, um, I was going through some of the liturgy, some of the prayers that like I grew up as a little kid saying, and then I'm back and I'm saying these. Um, same liturgical (laughs) prayers and it and it just resonated in my soul in a unique way and um Mm. it's kind of a sweet thing to 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 be able to experience that um i think i think the other thing i'll just say is um uh it's really honestly it's it's a helpful check on worship ministry sometimes to have like the Anglican denomination is really broad. So there's, it's, it, it can be really charismatic. It can be really reformed. It can be kind of high churchy. It can be low churchy. It can be, you know, kind of mm-hmm. everything in between. Um, but it is a helpful check to like, to a worship leader to know like, all right, I need to, I really need to plan my music and my set list around the music and, and where we're going liturgically today, because 
we're going to hear tons of scripture throughout the service. We're going to, we're going to pray corporately together. And, you know, I, I can't just like flippantly throw songs uh, into the set list and just hope it lands. Like I really want to mm-hmm. be in the scriptures because I know the scriptures are getting read before and after and throughout it. And um, so I really, I've really appreciated that. I think it, it kind of makes it fun in a, in a unique way, but, but also just, you know, it's, it's formational for sure. And even thinking through like the liturgical side of how you would plan for worship service at a Pentecostal church or at a Baptist church or wherever, wherever, you know, I think that's so key is like knowing that, yeah, every church has a liturgy. I like that you said that every church has a liturgy. Sometimes it's spelled out. Other times it's like, I think this is our liturgy and you just kind of like stumble backwards into it. And and whether you use the word liturgy or not, every church has one. So knowing what that is and then like leaning into that as your song choices go and I mean, within that liturgical mindset, as you're preparing for a service um, at, at the Falls Church, what does that kind of look like for you? Like, is there always going to be an element of communion? Is there always an element of call and response? What does that look like on a typical Sunday for you guys that maybe m- might not be so familiar with other listeners? Yeah. So each week um, there are, I mean, very similar to most churches, there's, you know, we, we start off uh, with a worship song and then it goes into an opening collect or, or a prayer that gets said by everybody. That's all collect means. And mm. um, we'll go into that. And it's, it's this, it's actually a really, really ancient prayer. I mean, it's been in, been around for a very long time. Um, and one of the coolest things about that, that moment in the service is it's sort of like, humbly like we all we all open our hands um posture ourselves before the lord and just like all right lord um as we're saying this this prayer it's sort of like lord you know my heart so as i start to Mm -hmm. worship lord you have you can have um like you know what's really there um and so it's a humbling Mm -hmm. kind of prayer to start off the service every week and then it's you know it's music it's scripture readings um read out loud um there might be pretty much every single week we either say the apostles creed or the nicene creed there's a moment Mm -hmm. where we're you know praying for local churches we're praying for missionaries abroad we're praying for leaders in authority we're praying you know on down it's always a prayer of confession like you're confessing sins and then you're always hearing the gospel proclaimed over you um Mm. so yeah that's i mean at this particular Anglican church, we don't celebrate communion every single week, um, but we do mm-hmm. it pretty often. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the most of it. Honestly, like, I think from, for most people, if they're, if they're not maybe from a high church environment, it might be kind of strange initially, but as you start to kind of, you just be around it and you start to actually pay attention to the prayers and what you're saying, you're realizing, oh, this is actually just scripture. We're just saying it out loud together. And I love how I love how the the songs really just intertwine with that. I mean, yeah, you know, this is something I say all the time, but it's it's you know, worship songs are merely prayers put to melody. Yeah. So it's like you know whether you're doing something out of the the Book of Common Prayer or you know you're doing a corporate reading of a prayer or you're mm-hmm. literally singing worship as a prayer. I think the coolest thing is when you've got a congregation that all gets behind something. The unity that happens in that is so powerful. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just love it. It's, you're making me want to go to an Anglican service right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, dude, I just love that you're there. And and for somebody that is, you know, just such a gifted songwriter and, and you know, obviously like great at leading worship, spirit filled. I, I think mm-hmm. I'm really excited. And, um, you know, just for our listeners, we are going to have Simon on here. Simon was a part of, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name, Holy the church in London. Holy, Holy Trinity yeah. Brompton. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he's a part of that church with Tim Hughes and, and all those amazing people. And then he's been over here in the States for the last, how many, like 15 years. I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Brian's working with Simon and I'm just so pumped. And you guys in that capital area, just, just outside of DC, I mean, there's no greater place to do ministry than in a place where there's just so many influencers and I'm just pumped that you're there, man. Mm. Um, dude, this is something I've been asking every guest on worshipology this year uh what's the holy spirit speaking to you these days and and uh i don't know if there's a, a verse that has just been weighing heavy on your heart but what's what's maybe something that could really translate to those listening today and and uh just as we bring this plane in for a landing i'd love to hear what the what the lord's you know doing in you and speaking in you right now yeah that's so good yeah man second corinthians 4 7 we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing mm. power belongs to god and not to us um i i'm definitely the i you know over and over and over again i have to learn the same lesson that i can't just muscle my way through a thing i can't just be strong i can't just um figure it out every time um that I need to give up control. I need to actually trust that. No, actually, the Lord, like, the Lord gave me a mortal, finite body um, mm. to show, like, intentionally, so that His uh, power would be displayed. Um, mm. So, like, summarized, I'd say, man, I'm, I'm just hearing from the Lord, like, Brian, give, give up control. Like, stop striving. Stop making it always happen um and trust trust the lord and that honestly like applied to worship leading man there's so many ramifications like when you're leading and you you need to abandon the plan and you need to be okay with the fact that sometimes some people aren't going to show up and you're left like oh my gosh like you know yet just uh just yesterday um my vocal my other vocalist got sick and so i find out like in the morning i gotta lead all the songs and and it's <laughs> like a bummer but but for whatever reason the lord had that for me you know and and yeah. like delight yeah. in that don't don't like be scared of it like because god wants to display his power through it um mm. so man I, if i could just learn that i'm sure that's how that feels like the kind of thing i'm gonna be learning until i die you know um <laughs> but that's that's definitely what I feel like the Lord is the Lord's been saying to me. Love it, man. Give up control. And uh man, this has been a faith building podcast, dude. I'm so pumped to have you. And uh man, we're gonna put some stuff in the show notes, including Brian's record, My Soul Longs, because it's still on Apple Music and it's still so good. <laughs> um, but man, just grateful for the time that we got to spend together and uh glad that you could be with us on Worshipology, bro. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.